Welcome to the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast about the Kansas City Royals uploading every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Although, what are we going to talk about on Wednesday? I guess Wednesday we'll talk about things we uh, should do in the second half, things we would like to see in the second half, I guess. Yeah, I guess that would be a nice little talk. Recap the first half, so to speak, because we have a few other things to talk about today. Today, I want to talk about the uh, finale of the first half, the four-game series we had up in Toronto with the Kansas City Storm Chasers, the the 16 Royals players and then 10 call-ups that had to uh, replace the guys that decided uh, they just didn't, I don't know, they just wanted to have an early all-star break, I suppose. So we're going to do that, and also at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about the MLB draft that happened last night on Sunday. We're going to talk about the first two picks that the Royals got in the first two rounds, because of course, they uh, lost their, or rather, gave away, traded away their competitive balance pick, which was in between the first two rounds. So normally, the Royals would have three picks to talk about on draft night, but instead, they only have two. But we need to talk about this Blue Jays series because, man, this has been, like, one of the most tumultuous weeks in Royals history, I think. And on Wednesday, like, right after that game, even though, you know, we, we had a pretty nice game and it, th- things were looking good, uh, just immediately after, we got absolutely gut-punched and it became... Frankly, one of the bleakest and darkest days in Royals history, at least recent history, I would say. I mean, this is, I mean, I feel like this was on the level of, like, Danny Duffy getting a DUI in 2017. Uh, Maybe not as bad as uh, uh, Ace dying, because that's just an unfortunate tragedy where no one is at fault, supposedly, but... Uh, but yeah, uh, just hearing that 10 players are, I guess, willingly not playing a few games, it's just not a good thing. And, you know, I ranted about that a lot back on Thursday because I (laughs) I had to completely break format and break schedule. Normally I'd uh, upload on Fridays, but I'm like, no, I have to talk about it on Thursday. And it was, it was bad. Like it really, really was a sad day. No one was happy. It was just really, really unfortunate. It was just, it, like, not only was it heavy by itself, but it also came with just so many things that have gone wrong this season, this year, and the last few years, really. It's just, it's like, why? Why did it have to be this? Why us? And Oh, God, dude. It it really was a new low in the last few years. Like, ever since all the, you know, all the big guys left in 2017, this was, like, the absolute lowest things have gotten. And it was, it was really, really sad. It was really depressing. And then, right afterwards, we got one of the best days... <laughs> in Royals history, I think. Uh, 
because the Royals, you know, they go up, they go into Toronto. It's a bunch of guys who are making their MLB debuts. Nick Prado making his debut. Nate Eaton making his debut. And the Royals beat the Blue Jays. They they defeat a Major League Baseball team, an above 500 baseball team, a, a playoff caliber baseball team for all intents and purposes. They beat them three to one. Three to freaking one. Suddenly, suddenly, everything feels just right. No more Whit Merrifield. No more Andrew Benintendi. No more Hunter Dozier. No more Michael A. Taylor. No more Cal Eldred. Cal Eldred was also gone. <laughs> and the Royals win a game in Toronto. Just fantastic. Like, suddenly, everyone is completely over the moon about it. And you, you, it, it, why not? Why wouldn't we be? This is what we've wanted in a weird, almost sick way. We've wanted the kids to come up and just play and just compete. And this is a team that has everything to prove. And you can see that they really, really wanted to play. Like, they they understood that this was not going to be a long-term thing. Like, they all know, they knew that they were only here to replace those other major leaguers. They weren't going to stick around for more than a few days, probably, most likely. They didn't expect to, you know? And they they just seemed to really take it to heart that this needs to be savored just make the best out of it make, you, you know um make the most out of it really live for the moment and that's exactly what they did this is a team that not only won a baseball game but they had fun doing it like suddenly you, you know you hear throughout the season about how just serious and dour the clubhouse is and now everyone's like upbeat and happy and having fun and it's great like everyone just loves to be there everyone has a real purpose and they're really playing for themselves they're playing for each other they're really they're, they're just loving it and it's so wonderful to see that edward olivares let off he got three hits and a walk <laughs> amazing incredible bobby wood jr had a two-hit game vinnie pasquantino had a two-hit game nicky lopez our our new captain team captain nicky lopez had a two-hit game and nate eaton with his first major league hit being a solo home run in the ninth just awesome could not be happier for these dudes. Hell, I'm even happy for Ryan O'Hearn. Ryan O'Hearn started in right field and he got a hit. You know what? Like, for the first time since 2019, I felt unironically happy to see Ryan O'Hearn. Because you know what? Damn it if, if, if we didn't need him. I mean, I don't know if we need him, but 
at least I can respect him for just for just doing what he's told and doing what's expected, I guess. You know, it's not his fault that the Royals decide to keep him around or or, or anything like that. I I know that we all <laughs> I guess in a way root for his downfall, for his demise to be removed from the Kansas City Royals, but we don't have any power over that. So you know what? He did his part. He 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 did his part. What what more can we ask of ask of him? That's that's we can at least give him that much, and I appreciate it. I respect you, Ryan O'Hearn. I I really do. And on Hell Zerpa, man, this dude again. You want to talk about someone who has everything to prove and and really nothing to lose at that. This guy pitched on Monday. He was just the the twenty seventh man for a doubleheader. Pitched a couple innings and that was nice. But then gets the start on just a couple days rest and gives us five innings, one run. Like, he he wasn't dominant or anything. He didn't completely destroy, he didn't completely befuddle the Blue Jays or anything like that, but he navigated through them. He got it done. One run. That's it. It's all he needed to do. Just keep us in the game. And he was absolutely wonderful. Just, like, like, again, this is a guy... Who's not just who's not just pitching on a couple days rest, but he's a double A pitcher. He hasn't even reached triple A, and man, like the the very short uh, moments we've had with Zerpa in the major leagues, they've been wonderful. Like I've really liked watching this guy. And funny enough, um, <laughs> I actually missed this game. Like, I, I, I had every opportunity to, to watch the game, but I totally missed it. I slept through it because I guess I was just that tired. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. I woke up and the game had, like, just ended and I see that the Royals won. And I'm like, oh my god, are you, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This happened. I felt so bad that I went back and watched through it on MLB TV. I, <laughs> so I did end up seeing it, but... Yeah, lots of fun watching that. Lots of fun watching these guys. We we've gotten what we wanted. We got to see the kids play and really what what more could we want? What more could we ask for? That was just so great. Now unfortunately, the Royals or the Storm Chasers, whatever you want to call them. I I just like calling them the Kansas City Storm Chasers. Just meeting in between. I mean they're they're in they're in the major leagues. They're in Kansas City, but yeah, they are kind of the Storm Chasers. <laughs> But anyway, they did end up losing the next three games, unfortunately, especially on Saturday. It was an 8-1 to one kind of blowout game where Zach Greinke just couldn't handle it. Uh, only pitched four innings, gave up four runs, three earned. It wasn't effective. Uh, Carlos Hernandez also gave up four runs in four innings, but he wasn't, I don't think he was as terrible as, you know, we've seen Carlos Hernandez this year. It was mostly on a three-run home run from Matt Chapman, so mm, it's just, like, honestly, like, whatever, dude. Not even really going to be all that upset about it, but yeah, that was a, that was the one snooze of a game, but you know what? At least it was to Greinke. At least Zach Greinke was like the the one guy who gave us the truly bad game. So it's not like we can just pin it on a kid. It's just like, all right, well, it was just Zach Greinke. You know, whatever, dude. The other two games were much better. Uh, on Saturday, the Royals lost by one. However, they took it into extra innings. They were able to just 
simply keep up with the Blue Jays throughout the entire game. And then in the 10th inning, we had a golden opportunity to win this thing because in the 10th inning, Vinny Pasquantino hits a two-run home run. And oh my man, I was screaming in my room. I was so excited. I'm like, this is this is really happening. Like we're we're actually gonna take two games from the Blue Jays with like a third of our roster missing. <laughs> like, what is this, dude? This is so nuts. Like, I don't ever want to see Whit Merrifield or any of those other guys. I mean, we can bring back uh, MJ. <laughs> but other than that, we can keep those guys away. Just find trade partners for all of them. We don't need them anymore. We're good now. However, uh, it's almost like we have to be cursed or something because right after that huge wave of elation came a, a very unfortunate reality, which is that Mike Matheny decided he wanted to use Barlow in the ninth, which isn't necessarily a bad decision, but he only threw 11 pitches in the ninth, and yet he goes to a different pitcher afterwards. I'm not sure what the logic of this is, because it's not like Barlow has anything else going on in the coming few days. Like, we've got this four-day break in less than 24 hours as of the time at the at the moment of this game i don't know i mean even if he is even if you have used him a, a a lot i guess i don't know why you don't at least try getting him out for another out or two you know i, I are you gonna wreck him by having him throw another 10 pitches in this one outing again you've got a long stretch of rest coming up you can decide just to say all right well we're not going to have him on sunday like whatever i was like this is the one opportunity where i feel like matheny should have tryharded i've been very critical of matheny tryharding the royals just trying to do whatever he can to make make all these very very um analytical decisions by moment to moment for lack of a better word uh but in this situation, he doesn't do that, and it's like, dude, like, like again, like it's not that the it's not that winning or losing matters, right? It really doesn't matter, especially now. I feel like the Royals already made their point by winning the first game. It, it's all right, losing, I guess, but even still, it, it, at least in this instance, it really does send a nice message. It's a it, it really it really just gets everyone going. You know, it it feels like in this situation, you do have something to prove by winning this game, as opposed to, you know, these May and June and previously July games that we've had where they're gone. The season's gone. It wouldn't matter mostly, and I wouldn't be nitpicky about it normally, but I don't, I don't know why Matheny suddenly on this day decided to be really conservative, I guess. Although, I don't know, maybe... Maybe that same tryharding is what got them in the situation in the first place where he uses all of his best relievers starting in the fourth inning because Daniel Lynch couldn't get out of the fourth inning, and that's unfortunate. So he uses Jose Quas, he uses Taylor Clark, he uses Stamont. So they, they're all gone, and then you get to Barlow, and he's the last guy you got. And then you get into extras. And who do you got left? 
uh, Jackson Coar, uh, is he really available? He pitched two innings on Friday. Actually pitched two good innings on Friday, so maybe not. Or rather, no, Thursday, I'm sorry. So, but even still, uh, I don't know. Uh, who else do you have? Colin Snyder, I think? Do you want Colin Snyder? I guess he'll take a Yoel Piamps. I mean, he can be good, question mark, but then they kind of point out that he has like a 7 ERA past the 7th inning or something like that. He's just been, re- he, he has been like the walking Soria 2016, where it's just like, if you put him in a high leverage situation, he's just gone. You're, you're, you're the game's over and, and not in a good way. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. He comes into the game to pitch the bottom of the 10th inning. Bro, you need three outs. You can give up a a run. It's not even, so you don't even have to pitch super well. You can let that ghost runner score. It's okay. Instead, he lets the ghost runner score without recording an out and then lets another runner score and then another runner score and that's the end of the game. And he didn't record a single out while doing so. So thanks a lot, Piamps. So thank you for uh, taking this game that could have been legendary and amazing and instead just making it another loss for the Royals. Uh... Well, like I said, winning and losing doesn't matter like too much. Not like something to get too worked up about. It's just it just it would have been nice. Would have been really really nice. And then on Sunday, the Royals lost four to two. Chris Bubich pitched a really really good game. Seven innings. Uh, no earned runs, a couple of runs, but I think they uh, sort of came as a result of a uh, an error by Bobby Witt Jr., which there is one genuine concern that has really popped up this series. It's been building up throughout the whole season, but I guess this weekend it's been like, oh, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. might not be a good shortstop? Uh... And, you know, you you don't want to admit that because Bobby is our boy. He's our golden boy. We want him to be, we want him to be uh, the best at everything. And, of course, we want him to be the, the best at the sexiest position, which is shortstop. But, is that actually, is he the best at this position? Or should we move him back to third base? I don't know. Maybe we can just let him, just let him continue throughout the season. I don't, I don't know, dude. I do think that he can be helped by Nick Prado at first base because Nick Prado is a magnet at first base. He is able to stretch out and pick balls out of the dirt, and that's going to be really, really helpful for any infielder who you know might not be the most accurate thrower across the diamond. And that, like, already, I, I, I've i really felt all the hype for Prado in this series. Like, this dude, man, the way he moves around first base, like, the, again, those stretches, those picks, this is the stuff that Hosmer did, that he was so good at. And I know that nowadays... Hosmer is really called into question, but, and look, 
over the weekend, I saw this compilation that a Padres fan made of, like, all the dumb stuff Hosmer has done just in this season, and my god, I don't know what happened to this dude. <laughs> he has, like, a negative 200 baseball IQ. I don't... I, look, I was not around for the entire Royals window. I didn't really get on until mid-2016, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm not in, entirely familiar with Hosmer, but I swear he was not that bad in KC, was he? I look at Nick Prado and it's like, yeah, this is what Hosmer was. This is what he did. This is what we were so hyped about. Those stretches, those picks. He's just really able to, he, like I said, he's like a magnet. You know, you. I remember back when... Back when when he had Eski, he would he would always hold Hosmer in high regard. He would say like I don't have to worry about making great throws because Hosmer can get them. Right? And that's just kind of how I feel about Bobby Wood Jr with Nick Prado at first base and it you know it really does highlight the importance of a great defensive first baseman. I mean, let me tell you, since Hosmer has left, there've been so many throws going past first base, and I would think, huh, Hosmer made that. Hosmer made that pick every time. Hosmer made, Hosmer would have had that. But then I see Nick Prado at first base, and it's like, so suddenly those throws that would normally get by if we had, I don't know, Ryan O'Hearn or Hunter Dozier or, God forbid, Lucas Duda at first base. Oh, suddenly those aren't getting by. Prado makes those now. That's really great. He's been really, really impressive. Uh, Freddie Fermin at catcher, I think, also had some pretty good plays. And uh, Nate Eaton in center field. I don't know if he, like, did anything in particular that produced outs, but there was this one throw. Like, he, he catches something and then just immediately throws it to second base. And, man, it is such a strong throw. The ball just got over there in a second. Whoever was on second, just had to dive into it quickly uh, to avoid being picked off, and it was really, really fun. Really solid defense uh, this season, or not this season, but the series overall. I mean, could be better, I guess, because, you know, we did have a, a couple errors, but, yeah. I'm really, really impressed with what we saw from the new guys, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, and also speaking of Prado, he also hit his first home run in this series. So, that's great. He had one on Sunday. Which, by the way, I also missed. But that was due to uh, many extraneous circumstances that I won't get into. But, yeah. Uh, the Royals had a, a nice game for the most part. And then they ended up blowing it late. So, they lost on Sunday. But still, think about this. The Royals lost one-third of their roster. And... Even though they only won one out of three games, or one out of four games, they were close in three of them. They only won one, okay? But they won, but they, 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 they made themselves competitive. And again, this is what we've wanted to see. This is, like, when we say, let the kids play, we don't necessarily say, hey, if we call up all of these young prospects, we're immediately going to start winning games, right? But this is the kind of series that they'll give you. This is what we at least have expected to see, what we've hoped to see, that you can get a competitive baseball game out of these young players who, again, have everything to prove. What does Whit Merrifield have to 
prove? What does Andrew Benintendi have to prove? What does Michael A. Taylor and Hunter Dozier and all of these other guys, what do they have to prove? What do they need to play for? I don't know, dude. I mean, I'm not them. I can't answer for them. But I'm just saying, when you look at the team that we had this weekend, that was a team with a purpose. Those were a bunch of players with a purpose. And it was so much more fun to watch than pretty much everything else we've seen from the Royals this year. Beyond the first like week of baseball that we had this season, this weekend was the highlight of the Royal season. It was awesome. And I'm going to echo a sentiment that has been shared around the general Royals community. This is the team that we want to see. And for the most part, this is the team that we've been asking to see all along. You really cannot, in good faith, bring back Andrew Benintendi and Whit Merrifield and all those other guys. I mean, some of them, sure. Like, I can forgive MJ Melendez. I I, I hope he comes around. Um, Brady Singer is another guy. I hope he comes around. Brad Keller, sure. I hope he comes around. You know, but it really is in the best interest for the Royals front office to find trade partners for all of those players immediately. Like, as soon as possible. Literally not even at the deadline. Now. let Like, let Andrew Benatendi play the All-Star game and then immediately call every single team in baseball and say, what can you give me for this guy? Because we don't want to see him in Kansas City anymore. Same thing for Whit Merrifield. And even better, you have you have a head start for on Whit Merrifield because he's not playing the All-Star game. Just get them off. It's, we're done with them. We have at, we have already prepared ourselves to move on from them, and it like honestly, I, I am mad at Whit Merrifield, but I also respect him for the things that he has done uh, for the Royals lately. So it would just make me kind of sad to see him booed at Kauffman Stadium. Personally, that would that would hurt me a little bit. Personally, I mean, I I'm not saying that. I don't fault anyone for doing that. I'm just saying that uh, it would be sad, right? And I don't want that, I guess. Get him to another team. Get get him out as soon as possible so that we don't have to do that, you know? It's like like we've been saying back when uh, MJ Melendez was first called up and he was hitting really well. We're just like, how can they look at this? How can they look at MJ Melendez and how well he's doing at the major league level, and not bring up everyone who is who is close to ready at this point. How can they not do that? How how can they sit on Vinny Pasquantino for another month, Nick Prado for another month, Michael Massey for another month, Nate Eaton for another month? How how can they do that, dude? Look at what these kids brought to your team. Look at what they've done. Look at the attitude, and, and look at the fan base. Again, this, isn't this what the, what matters most? What the fans want? Because, you know, the fans, with the money they spend on your team, isn't that what's important? No one's going to the game to see Whit Merrifield or Andrew Benatendi or any of those guys. If we do, we're going to see Bobby Wood Jr., 
and we hope to see Vinny Pasquantino. We will, and we hope to see Nick Prado and all those other guys that played on Friday and Saturday and and Sunday and Thursday. That's what we want. You 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 have to get the those ten who shall not be named, as I've kind of called them, and that's something that's spreading around a little bit. And I like that. The ten who shall not be named, they need to go. Or most of them need to go. You just have to embrace the youth movement. I, I feel like really <laughs> you what other choice do you have? Because we're going to uh completely reject the other solution, which is, you know, bringing back all those 10 guys. We don't want that. Hey, together royal, right? Isn't that the slogan of this year? You know, I saw someone criticizing the fan base. Like, oh, I've been a fan for 50 years and I've never seen it as bad as this. How can you guys... Whatever happened to Forever Royal? Well, Forever Royal is something that we give to players that have proven their loyalty to the Royals. And it doesn't mean that they stay on the Royals forever. Like we consider Hosmer and Kane and Moose to be forever Royal because of what they've brought, what they've done for us. You know, Danny Duffy has made huge mistakes in his time with the Royals and hasn't had quite the success as ha as those, as those three guys. And yet we still give him the forever Royal moniker because he just embodies that. We don't give that to the guys who say, no, we're not going to play for four games because it would inconvenience us. No, that's that's not how it works. That's not Forever Royal. And it's certainly not Together Royal either because they didn't want to be part of the team for four days. So they should go and find other teams to play for. That's how I feel about it. And the guys that had fun over the weekend actually playing and seemed to really enjoy being there and seemed to really work their asses off. That's what we want. That's the team that we want. And we should get that. We feel like we are entitled to that. And next, I want to talk about the first round pick in the MLB draft that the Royals made. They had the ninth overall pick in this draft and man I really regret not um even mentioning the draft in a past episode because uh, I, I I didn't mention it because I actually forgot what it was I I thought it was after the all-star game I don't know why I would think that or maybe I thought it was Monday yeah uh it's actually it was actually Sunday it was yesterday so I did not get to tell you the guy that I wanted or rather, just in general, the guy that I predicted that the Royals would get. It's 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 something that I've been holding on to for like a month, maybe two months, because I just saw it and I'm like, oh, the Royals, the Royals have to get this guy. Like, they're absolutely going to get this. this is, it's literally too perfect. And that's exactly what the Royals did. They drafted Gavin Cross, outfielder from Virginia Tech overall at number nine and, uh, and you know i mean of course you have to draft him because his name is cross and haha the religious symbolism it's way too good but look look you can be like oh ha, 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 royals drafted this religious guy or whatever i don't even know if he's religious it's, it's just, his name is 
cross, whatever, dude. Um, yeah, you can make jokes about that, but this is a legitimately top 10, at, if not top 15, o- overall talent that is available in this draft. So it's not like the Royals reached down. They, they didn't do anything crazy this year. All right, they didn't do a crazy underslot pick like they did last year. They didn't draft some guy from the middle of nowhere. This is someone that has actually been mock drafted to the Royals, at least by MLB Pipeline. Also, if you follow Royals Farm Report, which if you're listening to this podcast and you're not following Royals Farm Report, I don't know what you're doing. Why would you follow me and not Royals Farm? If, if there's one account that you should follow in the Royals sphere, it's Royals Farm Report. They also mocked Gavin Cross to the Royals. And, uh, yeah, in general, he's been ranked around, like, 10th in uh, in terms of talent, in terms of just how good he is in this draft. And it, it, it was a really interesting draft overall. That could have gone in a lot of different directions. This is a very college bat-heavy draft. Well, actually, not even college bat-heavy draft. Just very, very bat-heavy. There were not a lot of pitchers that really broke into the upper echelon. I think the only one you could kind of argue was Kumar Rocker, which the the the, the, the Rangers kind of surprised everybody by picking third overall. Lots going on with him, if you uh, don't remember him from last year. But anyway, Gavin Cross, kind of talking about him a little bit more. I also expected him to go to the Royals because he just seemed like the guy... Uh, or a guy that the Royals would really like to have. Like, he just seems like a Royal based on how he plays. He hits the ball a lot, hitting three twenty eight in college with an OPS over 1,000. And the big thing about him, like a pro, the pro and con with this guy is that he has some crazy power potential. He He, he isn't hitting as many home runs as you might think for a guy with supposed crazy power potential. And the reason for that is that his swing is kind of flat. He's not elevating the ball as much as you would like him to. So it's not like going over the fence or anything, but his exit velocities are like off the charts good. So this is a potentially great power hitter that the Royals have. Um, but even without like a major swing change, he could still be a 2020 guy. So, you know, aside from just hitting a lot in general, good speed, good defense, just seems like an all around solid player that the Royals could have in their outfield. He He's probably already the best outfield prospect that the Royals have in their system. I also just wanted Gavin Cross in general because of, He's an outfielder, and the Royals do not have a lot of outfield prospects in their system. Like, I think our best outfield prospect is supposed to be Eric Pena, but he is not having a good career so far. This so far, like, I've been kind of thinking, like, oh, man, if Eric Pena, like, our our outfield system is basically Eric Pena or bust. All right, like we have to, he has to be a hit or else we're just going to, I don't know what the solution is going to be for outfielders. Even right now, even as things are with the Royals right now, I don't know if they have potentially great long-term outfield 
uh, solutions. But anyway, Gavin Cross, being an outfielder and also being a college bat, he is already someone who can help fix that. He's already a solid outfielder. Um, could play center field, although people really like him in the corners, just being a really, really great fielder there. And he's a college bat. He He's someone who can rise through the system quickly and be in the majors by 2024. That's another thing that I really like. I know that within the draft, it's not the most optimal solution to draft based on system needs you know like and that's true you generally want to get the best player available in general but i do kind of think the royals are kind of doing that like like i like like i said this draft was kind of weird and there were lots of options for hitters like gavin cross might not be the potentially best player that the royals could have gotten they could have gotten jace june Young, or I'm sorry, (laughs) this is pronounced, you know, he could be much better, um, even though he doesn't have a defensive home right now, or if it is, maybe at second base, but he could be an overall better hitter, or Cam Collier is getting a a lot of, uh, getting a lot of hype, but he's 17, or um, Kevin Parada is another really good hitter, but his defensive skills at catcher, you know, another guy who might not have a home. You know, there there are options, and they're, they could be better than Gavin Cross overall. But I do kind of think the Royals are basically getting some nice bang for their buck right here. Like, they're, they're getting someone who fits into their system really, really nicely and is overall a, a good player. And keep in mind what I said about the... the sorry swing thing right you know he might have a kind of flat swing but he's going to be working with some really good hitting coaches who have already built a track record of developing players like this they they've already been able shown that they are capable of modifying and basically fixing swings like this they can absolutely get this guy to elevate the ball more i think that with our hitting development, Gavin Cross can be a really, really great pick. So I'm I'm liking this pick overall. I think the Royals got someone that is pretty safe and can just overall make a, a, a difference in Kansas City and pretty quickly. I, I like that they got a fast riser. I like that they got a college bat. I like that they got an outfielder. This guy checks all the boxes for... What I think the Royals really needed right now, even if, again, there might have been better options, and I'm not saying that the better options would have been wrong. Like, I would have been really happy with Jace Jung. I would have been, you know, I mean, basically I'm following the guys who are smarter than me. And if they're saying, hey, the Royals should have gotten this guy, then, you know, I'll believe what they are saying. Uh, Kind of what I've been saying about Gavin Cross in this little section I kind I'm kind of plagiarizing from Royals Farm Report, who uh, again are much smarter than me and have uh, provided a lot of insight onto really every player in this draft, or at least the first 100 or so in this draft. Uh, I got their draft guide uh, a few days ago, read through it. Really, really great stuff. So thanks Royals Farm for uh, giving me things to say on my podcast. <laughs>
and the Royals' second round pick at number 49 overall. They selected Caden Wallace, a third baseman from the University of Arkansas, which is another pretty solid pick, I think. This is uh, someone who was ranked around like the 40s or 50s by most people, although MLB Pipeline has him all the way up at 31, really citing and loving his power potential. This is another really, really high exit velo guy, so I'm kind of wondering, um, I- I'm not going to be able to follow more of the draft uh, after this. I mean, obviously we'll know the picks later on, but, you know, just w- wondering with these first two picks, are the Royals just kind of following a theme? Are they going to be selecting more hitters with these you know, particular metrics or statistics to them. I don't know, but yeah, this is another, you know, he's kind of like Gavin Cross, just crazy high exit velo, really good power potential, plays third base, which is another thing that the farm system is kind of shallow in, but he can also play a good corner outfield. He has a plus plus arm, so he could stick with third, um, He does also run pretty decently, kind of speaking to his potential in the outfield. But uh, the one big thing with this guy is he does have some swing and miss. He does uh, have a bit of a... um, He kind of struggles to get pitches outside of the zone, I guess. He kind of chases them maybe a little too much or just not as effectively. So, you know, another project for Drew Saylor and company to uh, work on, but... Overall, this seems like another solid pick. Nothing too crazy. Like, it's it's pretty much okay. Was it the best player that the Royals could have gotten? I'm not really sure, honestly. I, I have not studied the, the board as well as, you know, a lot of other people who have been following the prospects for months and months and months. But so far, just based on, you know, kind of what I'm gathering with all these different areas. It, it kind of looks like the Royals did an alright job with these first two picks. So, yeah, I would say this is a pretty good draft. Um, yeah, I'll talk about the rest of them, I guess, a little bit later, uh, maybe on Wednesday when uh, we talk again. But so far, I'm I'm happy. I, I'm glad the Royals are getting college hitters. I'm glad they're filling positions that they are pretty shallow in. And uh, hopefully we'll see these guys in the majors really soon, because that's another thing that I really want. So yeah, that about does it. That about does it for the draft uh, so far. And that about does it for the Royals so far. It's been a heck of a first half, hasn't it, guys? Ooh, 36 and 56. Yay. 20 games below 500. Oh, boy. Well, hey. If we play 500 ball in the second half, like we did last year, we'll only end up with 91 losses, which isn't quite as bad as the 100 loss predictions that have started up last month or so. So, wouldn't be terrible, I guess. We'll see how it goes, and we'll talk about it when we get there. So, I'll see you on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Lux. And uh, you can follow me on at on Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod, or shoot me an email at Royal Deluxe Podcast 
at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. But until then, I'm Lux, and go Royals.